Wherever cancer is, Hancock Health will fight. In any part of you and in all corners of East Central Indiana. From Indianapolis to Greenfield to Knightstown to Rushville. From hospital rooms to family rooms, we fight. With technology and medicine. With care backed by the wisdom of Mayo Clinic. For you, for your family, and for your future in Rush County. We fight cancer here. HancockHealth.org slash cancer. You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show. You know, when it doesn't work, you're always going to think about it. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, have I stopped thinking about that play? No, I haven't. Um, it was a huge play in the game. Um, got the look we wanted, and it didn't work out. And uh, that's that's football sometimes. And uh, it is frustrating. It's disappointing. But again, uh, faith and trust in anyone we put on that field to go make a play. Uh, head coach, Indianapolis Colts, Shane Steichen, there on that uh, final play of the game in the fourth quarter that uh, possibly could have won the Colts the game. Um, that's not exactly what happened. My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer over there with a special guest on the hotline. Kevin Bowen from our sister sports station, 107.5 The Fan. He's part of the morning show, The Wake Up Call, with KB and Andy. So... I'm tired of people sending us tweets trying to justify Jonathan Taylor not being in the game, Kevin. Like, I'm going to the Pacers game tonight, and I have a hard time believing that if the Pacers are down by two with 10 seconds left, Rick Carlisle's going to take Tyrese Halliburton out of the game because that's what the Celtics would be expecting. I have a hard time justifying that, Kevin. Yeah, I saw someone make the analogy. It'd be like Gene Hackman giving the ball to Ollie over Jimmy <laughs> Chitwood. Right. Late in the game. Right. Uh, which I thought was pretty good. Yeah, you know, tons of issues for me on the final play as well. Um, basically, you have two backups. And honestly, it's probably a compliment to even call Tyler Goodson a backup. Um, you asked two of them to deliver in the most pressure-packed situation uh, of the entire year, uh, opting to go that route instead of Jonathan Taylor, instead of Michael Pittman Jr., instead of Josh Downs, instead of Zach Moss, the second-highest-paid offensive line in football. Pick a variety of things, and uh, certainly the play was open. But, again, you're asking guys, in Minshew's case, one of the worst games of his career, I think it's fair to say, for Saturday night, or in Goodson's case with six career catches, You know, two guys that are, again, backups and either inexperienced or don't have the ability to be – relied upon in bigger roles, you're asking them to deliver in that moment, on that stage. Uh, And when you do that, you bring risk. And some of the risk is a drop. And that's what you saw there. And it's not even like you were riding the hot hand. You know, if you want to make the Pacers analogy and, you know, whatever, TJ McConnell hit three threes in a row and you decide to give it to him, you know, Minshew and Goodson, uh, they had one other target earlier in the game and it was a big miss. You know, Minshew missed Goodson horribly, really. Uh, in, in kind of a similar situation earlier on. So uh, that, that's where my issues lie on that play. And look, I don't know if having JT in the game you know, makes a difference or not. Maybe he catches the ball. Maybe he doesn't. Maybe he runs it and gets stuffed. I have no idea. But I could feel better as a fan sleeping at night knowing my best player was in the game. Like, it's one thing to not, you know, give him the ball, but at least have him in the game. Yeah, and even as a decoy, to your point there, um, you know, I, I want to go down swinging with my horses. And as a play caller, you can only control so much. What you can control is who's on the field and what the play call is. And then once the ball snaps, it's out of your control. So 
if I'm going down swinging in the biggest game of the season, the guy that had been the best player on the field for you by far throughout the game, I want him out there. And again, I'm not like married to this. He's got to get the football, but I think him out there right. at least offers something. And then, you know, Pittman's delivered in some big moments for you this season. Josh Downs has been you know, much more than just a rookie uh, in, in some critical situations as well. So uh, relying on two backups, you know, it's one thing I get that Minshew's your quarterback. You can only do so much. Well, I, you know, I want Minshew throwing the ball in the general direction of Michael Pittman, a guy that's yeah. proven. He can kind of catch ball yeah, was, 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 the radius or whatnot. Was that, a, that, that was a bad throw by Minshew as well, though, right? Uh, I, seemed, I think so. Seemed like um, I was a little behind yeah. him. Right, and it kind of goes Nige, back to the first you know throw to Goodson earlier in the game. That yes. throw was high and outside, and if you look at the Minshew one, that was low and inside, and, and I think Goodson had a little bit of panic of you know, he, he didn't really realize the situation of, man, it's just fourth and one. I can sit right here. I don't have to be running in stride on this play. If I just sit down right here, catch the ball, and fall forward, we're going to have a new set of downs, and I've done my job. It was almost like he kept on running. Now all of a sudden had to contort his body in a 180. Sure, he got two hands on it. But still, that was a tough grab for anybody, let alone a running back with six career catches. So we've done the negative and now let's try to look at the glass half full. I know it's kind of hard for Colts fans, myself included, to view anything positive here, but it was a rebuilding year with a backup quarterback, and you were one play away from at least having a chance to go to the playoffs and ultimately win the division. That's got to feel a little good, but man, that final play just sucked all the life out of what was viewed as a house money type of game. It's a stinging feeling because of who won the division. You know, a first-year head coach and rookie quarterback won the division. A team that, you know, also had really no expectations at the start of the year won the AFC South. And if you look at, you know, this current decade, really, uh, it's one of the worst postseason runs, postseason successes, division title successes, however you want to label it, this franchise has had in in many decades. So you really got to go back to the late 80s, early 90s to see something similar. It's now nine straight years without a division title. Uh, there's 25 teams in the NFL that have won a division title since you last half. So I think that's the stinging nature of it. Of It was sitting there for the taking. It was a home game in your own building against a first-year head coach and a rookie quarterback and a team that had some key, key injuries in this game. Houston was penalized 11 times in the game. There was so much that kind of went your way to have the opportunity. And, again, these things don't grow on trees. There's been Colts teams that you would say is, you know, have been better, have had more preseason preseason expectations in this nine-year run that have not gotten to the opportunity for the win and get in game. So, yes, there's a lot of good to point to for this season. I do think the Colts are on the right path moving forward. I have not said that in January conversations in recent years. That's all really, really encouraging. But, damn, the sting from Saturday night is real, as it should be. Kevin Bowen from 107.5, the fan with us. All right, so how does this roster get better? I've been saying for a long time, the Colts have the worst tight end room in the NFL. And it's been this way for the last couple of years. For whatever reason, it feels like Ballard loves athletic guys that play college basketball or have amazing combine workouts, but it's not working. I hate the tight end position. I know the Colts have some needs in other areas. What do you think? Yeah, well, first, I would say they've got some in-house guys they've got to make decisions on. Michael Pittman Jr., Grover Stewart, Kenny Moore, Julian Blackman. I mean, those are a lot of notable names. I, I would say all four of those guys, I'd put as top you know, 10, 12 guys on your team. It's easily the most kind of notable free agent list in the Ballard era. 
Um, so I'd start there. You know, on top of tight end and pass catcher just kind of go together for me. I, I think you need something more, even if you bring back Pittman, whether that is a tight end, whether that is another wideout. Um, I still think you need an edge speed rusher. I didn't like the growth that Quiddy Pay showed from a consistent pressure standpoint here in year three for him. So I think that is an avenue to explore. And then I think you saw it on Saturday night. Boy, did you miss Julian Blackman as a safety. And that secondary, I know there's a lot of youth back there, but still, you need a little bit more stabling force uh, at corner, at safety, probably at both of those positions moving forward. So uh, those three, you know, wide out, pass catcher, tight end, however you want to label it, uh, kind of that speed pass rusher, and then something more in the secondary, I think are all really big keys. Hearing some chatter that Ryan Kelly, who I believe thought about retiring a year ago, also considering retiring again. Do we have any updates on that? Uh, I thought Kelly was pretty adamant today in saying no on that and, and was a little bit uh, kind of uncertain of, of why that chatter grew. I think, you know, maybe there's a little bit of a, hey, you've been through a lot off the field, multiple multiple concussions on the field. You're nearing 30 years old, you know, frankly, guys that have played on the offensive side of the ball for the Colts lately, Anthony Cathanto, Jack Doyle, Andrew Luck, you know, have all uh, hung it up kind of around similar ages for different reasons, of course. Um, but Kelly made it, I thought, pretty clear today during locker room cleanout that that is not something he has thought about and not something that he wants to explore. And the next name on the list, Gus Bradley. Does he get invited oh. to come back as the defensive coordinator? Yeah, that's one I think you need to look long and hard at replacing him. Um, I know that the personnel might not be, you know, a whatever five-star restaurant from an ingredient standpoint, but you know, 28 in points allowed against a pretty uh, nondescript quarterback schedule. Um, again, just the plan for Nico Collins on Saturday night was non-existent. The execution of that plan was non-existent. I think Shane Sykin is at you know a pretty big crossroads in just that. What do you want your defense to be like under you? You know he's got history with Gus Bradley before here. He retained him obviously from Frank Reich. It's not like he went out and had this open search. But I think that's something as the head coach of the football team. You know that guy is still underneath you. I know the defense is not you know something Shane focuses a whole lot on during the week, but still. Um, I think that's something that you have to explore and look into. I'm not uh, saying that that will happen, uh, but if I were Shane Steichen, I would take a long and hard look at what the future of your defense looks like. And again, I'm not saying that Gus Bradley is totally at fault. I don't think the personnel and some key spots um, are great, but still, that is something that I think you should should look at. And finally, before we let you go, KB, have you made an official Super Bowl prediction yet? Who are we going to see in the final game? Oh, boy. Well, uh, preseason, I had Cowboys-Jets. Obviously, (laughs) that unfolded how it has. I guess the Cowboys, maybe. Uh, uh, Maybe I'll stick with Dallas. Let's go Dallas and... Go Dallas Buffalo for the Super Bowl. I like that Bills pick. Good value on Buffalo. I'm right there with you, KB. (laughs) All right. If anybody uh, wants to hear a little bit more about what's going on with the Colts, the Pacers, and everything in between, where can they go? Yeah, the wake-up call each morning on our sister station. That's 93.5 on a 7.5 The Fan. It's myself and Andy Sweeney. and All of our written content up on the website. Plenty of that here in the Colts offseason. 1075thefan.com. Kevin, you've came on every single week after the Colts game. You laid everything out. And what I respect is that you're totally honest. You're not some butt sniffer that's just going to carry the water for the Colts or whatever. You're honest with us all the time, and we appreciate the hell out of you, and we'll do it again next year. Thanks, KB. Editing the LinkedIn page, not a butt sniffer. Thank you for that. (laughs) You got it. Thanks. See you, buddy. (laughs) Thanks, guys. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show.